Hello, everyone. My name's Kendall Clifton Short, and I'm a partner at Within, based in Bozeman, Montana. Today's episode will be a little different from the others. Towards the end of last year, we had the privilege of bringing together a panel of forward-thinking leaders in Bozeman to reflect on the challenges that employers are facing today, and most importantly, explore what it takes to overcome obstacles in hiring, retention, and employee experience. What arose was a thoughtful discussion around human-centered leadership, connection to the people we work with, and our ability to unlock potential through creative thinking. Thank you again to all of our panelists for contributing invaluably to this conversation and to everyone listening. We hope you enjoy. I really appreciate the commitment that you each have to this conversation and your willingness to come and be a little bit of a fishbowl for everyone else who also cares about the conversation in the community. So just a really quick info about what Emily and I do and within people. So I guess I have the privilege of working with bold and courageous leaders who are committed to redesigning the experience of work and solving the challenges that today's workplaces offer us and really doing building communities and cultures where people can thrive and they are the driver of business growth. So it feels like a privilege to do this work and it feels like a privilege that all of you would want to come and be part of this conversation and that we have some really cool people doing some really cool things at organisations locally that are willing to share. Okay, so enough from me to start with. So let's maybe start with Stephanie and go left to right if I'm looking at you and I'd love you just to share where you work what you do there because we actually have a variety of roles intentionally and one reason you were energized to participate in today's conversation and this is a semi-lightning round so let's move through the introductions reasonably quickly so we can get to the discussion. All right, so hello everyone. My name is Stephanie Bogerson. I am with XY Planning Network and I am their director of talent there. So I'm overseeing the talent acquisition process at XY Planning Network, the learning and development, and then the onboarding process as well. And I am very energized to be here today to collaborate and learn from other industry leaders here. Good afternoon. My name is Renee Storm. I am the Director of Human Resources and a partner at Profitable Ideas Exchange. You may have heard of us referred to as PI. I wear many hats and take on lots of different roles and responsibilities there. Everything from talent acquisition to training to benefits and payroll. So lots of different experiences. I think similar to Steffi, I'm excited to be here to share my knowledge and our experience as well as learn from others here in the group. My name is Bridget Uzel, and I work at Onyx Maps. We're right upstairs. My role is Senior Learning and Development Manager, and I touch anything having to do with keeping someone professionally engaged and growing and learning. So a lot of <laughs> things under that bucket. I'm excited to be here because I think we're in a new era of retention and what that means. And it's a big adventure because none of us know it yet. Hi all, Hayden Wilson from Bridger Brewing. I have been with Bridger Brewing since the start. Started as a kitchen manager and moved into the head brewer here in Bozeman, since we have two, two locations now. And then also brand ambassador since I got kicked out of my brand manager position. Since we hired a new marketing director at least. Also hype, I've worked with Kendall for a while now with Bridger Brewing at least. So wear many hats like we all do in our companies at least and very excited to share different realms of work 
and different industries, especially since I don't get to get out of the brewing industry very often. So it's nice to get out of that. So very excited to learn from all of you. Last but not least, Neil Harden with Foundant Technologies. I've been here with Foundant for four months. Prior to that, I was the head of global talent at Western Digital. We had 80,000 people worldwide talking about acquisition, management, everything else. I've been, this is the third time I'm the head of HR for a company of this size. And for about almost, gosh, I got to say this, 25 years I've been in technology. So really good understanding coming out of the business into HR about 20 some years ago. So happy to share anything you like. <laughs> so really appreciate the depth of perspective that we've got here in the group. So let's hear from each of you. Maybe Neil, we can start from you and work this way this time. What, this is a lightning round. So what's one way that you see today's workplaces being different to what we've seen perhaps a couple of years ago pre-COVID? Like what what are the new like what's different and what are the new challenges that emerge as a result of those changes? Definitely remote work. And that's the biggest thing, even from what I saw in the in the Bay Area to even small, smaller places like a fountain or anywhere else, right? The biggest thing is solving for that and how can we how can we meet the needs of our candidates and our workers now in a more flexible environment? Yeah. Yeah, great. Lovely. So remote work and how do we help people stay? How do we solve problems flexibly and help people be connected Absolutely. when they're not next to each other? Absolutely. Yeah, I think biggest change in the last couple of years is, especially with the labor shortage, how critical employees can be of their employers. Just because they're more empowered to, to pick which job that they want to have. They can literally get out in, in any job that they want, honestly. So it's hard to make sure that we approach them and really get them involved in the company and the culture of the company to make sure that they are more involved beyond just getting a paycheck, so. Okay, I'm gonna zoom out a bit. And I think that the pandemic really blew up the who, what, when, where, why, and how we work. I think the workplace, well, not I think, <laughs> research has shown that the workplace was really designed for a straight white male with a caregiver at home. And the pandemic revealed that through like the care crisis, 16,000 childcare centers closing, kids on Zoom screens behind the, the meetings and all of that. And I think the where we work, it's important for us to remember that that's one of only five that was blown up. So when do we work? What motivates people? Why we work? And I think that's why we're at such a precipice right now is because we're, we're reimagining all of those. So it's not just one thing that we're taking and trying mm -hmm. to do differently. It's all five, all at the same time. Yeah, and I think that, like, that is why DEIB conversations are so at the forefront right now is because we are now designing workplaces that are for belonging and inclusion, and that can look a lot of different ways. And everyone has a different meaning for those words, too. Yes. A lot on the table yes. to be turned over. Yep. <laughs> we need more than an hour. Renee. Yes. Yes. I love what you just said, Bridget. And I think that plays a part in probably all the answers that we're going to give here today. I think from my perspective is taking all of those pieces, the where, how, why, what, and making it equitable. So I think equity is a big top of mind piece for me. 
is, you know, a hybrid work environment. How do we make that equitable for folks who are in office and remote? What do those benefits look like? Are those different for those people? What do they value? Because to Hayden's point, that value piece is so much more important to the employee of today. Yes, I think all great points, all of the above, right? And I think what I just would like to highlight is just the new generation coming into the workforce, Generation Z, right? And with that, what we really see, especially in talent acquisition, is just the change of value proposition that an employer needs to give these days to candidates they want to hire. And I think there was a research study that said, you know, one in five employees would not even consider accepting a job offer from a company that they don't share values with. Yeah, which raises really great questions about, well, do we even know what our values are as an organization and how do we live them and how do we make them explicit? Yeah, great. Okay, so lots of juicy things there, starting with Bridget's who, what, where, why, when, and how. But really what I heard was, you know, lots of us have moved from in-person where we're sitting next to someone to either a hybrid workplace where some of us have the privilege of still seeing each other or the privilege of working from home, depending on which side of the fence we think is the privilege. Some of us now work in organizations where some of us have like manufacturing, for instance, everyone in corporate can do that. No one in the plant can, has that opportunity. Really our, our new generation and our existing generation, if we're part of the older crew that are represented here, you know, we want to do meaningful work. And so how can we look to our employer to provide that? How can we really, we're seeing people looking to to employers to be making statements about political issues that really had no business in the boardroom and many of us still think have no business in the boardroom. Equity, I think that's a really powerful conversation that we all either want to be a part of or think that we should want to be a part of even if we don't really want to and we don't really know what to do with that. So, so we've got clearly some attraction and retention opportunities. We've got an opportunity to be more if we're an employer and we've got an opportunity to sort of engage in that conversation productively if we're an employee. And we've got new sort of expectations is what I heard around what we, the role we want work to play in our life. Okay, so just a couple of, couple of small things that we can- <laughs> We'll hit in the next hour. Yeah, exactly. Uh -huh. We can nut out today. <laughs> So I guess how do we even go about having a conversation like this is a really good place to start. I think what we're hearing is the experience that we want from work is different, right? We either feel like we have more agency and power to shape that differently or the people around us are suggesting that we should. So how do we start to think about our employee experience as a tool for us as leaders of organizations to to solve some of these challenges. Like, yes, there's lots of problems. Yes, there's lots of swirling on the desk. How do we start to sort it out and make some sense of it and find the opportunities that are really most relevant to us is the question that we all wanna be able to do. So when I talk about employee experience and employee engagement, what I'm really talking about, and we've already heard it here, is the experience of work is multifaceted and it's not just who we recruit. It's not just how we, how we op offer training. It's not just what we pay people. It's all of those things and, and a myriad of other things as well. So how do we as start to navigate, well, what are the things we would want to offer our employees that both feel reasonable to us as the employer and reasonable for them as the employee? And how do we marry those things up? And how do we start to like be able to know that we've committed 
to these things and that we're delivering. These are some of the questions that we want to answer. So the way we think about this at Within, and we've heard this already from the palace, is that there are four things all of us want from work. We want some level of flexibility, to your point at the beginning, Neil. We want to feel connected to the people that we work with and the work that we're doing, which I think Bridget and Hayden spoke about. We want to be rewarded, and that's not only the paycheck, although it's definitely the paycheck, but it's also all of the other multifaceted aspects of how we believe that we get to do meaningful work. And we want to feel like we're growing. I mean, all the statistics around what people are looking for work is investment in my future, whether that's with you as, as my current employer or the next employer. But if you're not going to invest in my growth, then I'm not going to hang around to wait <clears throat> to not be invested in. So how I thought we could organize this conversation so that it doesn't just feel like a ton of ideas swirling around is we could look at each of these lenses one by one and hear from you about what you're doing just as a way to sort of anchor our thinking around something slightly more tangible. Would that be helpful? Great. Okay. And then the great thing about this is, you know, each of these lenses offers us solutions as, a, as employers. Some are relevant to us and some are not relevant to us, but they're, they're all levers that we can pull in a way that's most meaningful to us. So if innovation and sort of the new solutions and how we step off what we know into the new brave new world that feels unfamiliar is sort of rooted in this understanding of how do we be very intentional about the experience we're designing for our people. What I would love for each of you to sort of paint a picture of is what is the work that you have all committed to doing already to change, shape, influence your employees' experience? And, and what does that really take in terms of resourcing? So it's great to say, hey, yep, let's commit to this, but what does it require? Does it require time, money, culture change, training? something else, more, more red wine on Friday afternoons, <laughs> you know, what is it that, yeah, or, or Tuesdays, yes, yeah, so question again, what, what are some things that you have committed to doing to shape your employees' experience and what has that required of you from a resourcing perspective? Just anybody go, how you want to do Yep, it? jump in, let's do, I call it popcorn style, but maybe that's Australian. <laughs> well, I'll. Pop when you're hot. I'll kick it off and I won't be as brief this time. Perfect. Thank you. Talent development. So the things that we're talking about right now is me coming in as a new leader, HR, and looking at the organization and seeing what's been, what's been done in the past and what we heard from at least our employee engagement survey, a lot of development, right? So as I said before to all our employees, it was nice coming in at this time because the employee engagement survey is like a barometer for the organization. And me coming into this seat brand new, it tells me all the different areas we need to focus on, whether it's diversity, whether it is the flexibility work, right? Development, goal setting, right? Voice, communication. Do I have a voice in this, right? And so one of the, the largest things that we heard was development and it was goal setting. And so when you talk about a cost, we have a system, a little, not super expensive, but it's able to track your one-on-ones. It's able to put in goals. But from that standpoint, when you talk about development and skill sets, do you have the right skills? Do you have the right competencies to do the job? Those are the things that we want to now, okay, I'm glad you have a baseline. Now, how do we take it to the next level? The next level being the skills, the competencies that leads into job leveling. Do you have the right level of employees? If this person says certain types of tracks, we use, we use Radford, I've used Radford for quite some time and you have a professional track 
P1 through P5. You have a manager track, then you go director, senior director, VP, blah. How do you get to that next level? What competencies or skills do you have to get to get there? What's the development? What's the learning that goes behind it, right? That career pathing is the next steps. But those are the things we have to all put in place. And it has to, you have to have a really strong foundation. One, goal setting. Number two, having that communication with, with each employee, with their manager. It's employee driven. The managers help set it. But my biggest advice to everybody is you as the employee have to take control of your career. Don't forget that. Make sure you're putting in the right things. If that's where you want to go, you work with your manager to get the skills necessary to move in the next role, move to the next level, et cetera. Okay, so I'm hearing a couple of things there. First of all, you've got some way of actually measuring yes. where people are and a way of tracking how they would, like what some possible pathways for them are. Then you've got a culture and you've recruited people into the idea of like, hey, your career is your responsibility. We'll help you walk down the path, but we're going to tell you yeah, where to be. And then obviously you didn't really speak to it too much, but there's a, a huge investment in actually Oh, the time investment. Opportunities. Absolutely. The time from us to create the program from an HR department, work with the business leaders to create this, work with the employees because the employees have what? The learning side of things. They have to learn. There's, that's that key piece, right? So. Yeah, great. Okay, thanks. Other thoughts? I'll go next. I guess what we've committed to at Bridger to make, making sure that we retain that culture of Bridger Brewing to make sure that nobody's alone in that restaurant. We want to make sure that when people come into the brewery that they're having the best experience and that involves everyone, not just your server, not just your host, having your manager come over and say hello and how's your food. But I think that's something that we've committed to is making sure that you're part of a team that you can rely on every day. Yeah, I love that. And I think, too, what I'm really hearing there is how can we expect in the hospitality world when we're supposed to be providing entertainment or an experience, how can we expect our staff to provide that powerful experience if they're having a crappy one? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so really, like, how do we really invest in their experience so that they can then invest in our customers, patrons' experience? Yeah, and that involves all of us from the top to the bottom being there every step of the way. Awesome. Thanks. Shall we keep going down the line? <laughs> okay, I'm going to talk about a few experiments that we have put some resources behind. So Kendall mentioned being clear on your core values and then having that tie into the experience in the workplace. So our mission at Onyx is to awaken the adventure in everyone. And we have played around with our PTO and what that that might look like for different employees. We have get out, get active days and get out, get active funds. And that looks different for different people. For some people that's buying a kayak and going on a kayak trip. For some people that's walking around Seattle. I mean, and that's totally fine. It's just getting out and exploring and having a sense of adventure. Another experiment with PTO is we do not, we are open five days a week, year round in respect for our customer service folks who work on Black Friday, that has an impact on Thanksgiving, potentially different holidays that are federal holidays reflect some religions. And so we just decided to take the, is it six federal holidays and put that towards people's PTO bucket. And so people have a pretty hearty PTO bucket. I think everything like 
when it's all added up with Get Out, Get Active, the federal holidays, it's about six weeks per year. And then you, if you want to take two weeks at Christmas, go for it. But I think that the, anytime you can give people choice, it builds trust and a relationship around, oh, this person values me as an individual, and then I get to be sort of the grown-up in the situation and apply some of some of those choices to what works for me and my family. Another experiment is base camps. So with hiring strategy, you know, remote is the new world, but there is a tipping point, I guess, for us as a company with trying to still build energy among people and like tissue connection with like where, where you're working and the city in which you're working. So we decided, so for a while it was a bit of a free for all and it was like, whoa, whoa, like we're adding states at a rapid rate, right? And every time you add a state, I mean, folks know all of us in HR, it adds complexity with taxes and all of that jazz. So we decided to come up with this base camp strategy where we have a base camp ambassador and that is an employee who raises their hand that they will generate some like, you know, clean up the trail day or holiday party, whatnot, in their base camp. Our base camps are Seattle, Denver, Salt Lake City, Portland, Austin, Texas, Bozeman, and Missoula. I might be missing one. And then we have like a way in which we are building energy for the employee experience in each of those base camps. We have a budget for each of those base camps. And then a tricky spot was then what do you do when you find that unicorn 3D engineer who is in Virginia? Ah, I want to hire that person. So we came up with a rubric as to how to go about the decision-making process. Who are the stakeholders in adding a new state? So tax is tax laws are going to be a huge input in that process. And like, you know, how much of a unicorn is this person? And do we really want to open up a new state? The answer isn't an absolute yes or an absolute no. We get all the stakeholders at the table and we decide if they, if we'll go for that. And then if you are not in a base camp, just to follow our brand, you are called a free soloist. (laughs) And all the free soloists have a Slack channel and we work to build connection between those folks. Okay, so I've had lots of investment in building community. I've had lots of investment in equity. Like, how do we really understand how we design for equity and use equity as a lens in our decision making? And I heard a lot of like, how do we get the right stakeholders mm-hmm. in the room to be an input into any decision that we make? Mm-hmm. And then the, those are just some illustrations of the experiments we're running. Like, I would say my entire team has a very, this is a new world experiment mindset. And what did we learn? What's sticking? What's not? You know, there are no failures. What did we learn? Type okay. of Great. So just like Neil was talking about, well, we need to have a culture where you're, we're both partners in your growth. You have a culture that's like, hey, let's give it a go and yeah. see what happens mm-hmm. and make a decision once we have some data, mm-hmm. which is also what you were talking about, rather than just seems a bit scary and I don't know if it will work mm-hmm. so let's just keep that idea over there yeah okay great thanks all right so what have we committed to I think at Pi if you're not familiar with our business model we one of our bread and butter products is to convene people virtually so you can imagine during the pandemic year our 
business grew exponentially. So we went from this small, very family-oriented, very all-hands-on-deck community to a lot more people in the building or a lot more people working remotely. And so I think what we've committed to as we sort of settled back into like this post-COVID work environment is adding some structure. People want to know what the expectations are. They want to know how to grow their career. So some of the things that we've committed to are transparency in structure, a little bit more defined training, who's owning the trainings, what is the agenda for this, and why are we doing this? Constantly asking the why. We've committed to providing our supervisors with leadership training so that they are asked to make these high touch points with all of their direct reports, but they have the tools to do that. They're not just going into a room and saying, how are you? But like, how can I help you? How can I help you be successful in your role? And then we also survey our team a lot. And then we take that information and we use it to inform decisions. And what we heard is that career pathing is super important right now. And so we've built that out. So sort of holistically trying to add some structure yeah. to what we're doing, to what we're offering. And yes, trying to keep that community, that, you know, all hands on deck mentality. But as you grow, that becomes diversified. And that diversification can happen in the coaching, but there's still got to be some clear expectations. People want to know how to be successful in their role. Yeah. Okay. I love it. So lots of investment in the structure and making that transparent so people feel very comfortable with how they can engage. And then massive investment in people's training. Do they have the tools to do the job that we want them to do? Probably in a potentially remote environment, whereas it used to be in person too. And are we collecting the data that can help us keep making those decisions in an informed way? Yeah. Lovely. Thank you. All right. I guess I'm left, right? So I would say at XY Planning Network, so when the company was founded in 2014, it was founded as an all-remote company. And then as, as the years went on, we established a headquarter here in Bozeman and also an office-first strategy. So the strategy for a long time was to hire in Bozeman, support the community. And especially in the recent years, we have found that we have lots of challenges with that. We are, we are a finance firm. We have a, we have a tax solution team. So we're hiring lots of tax professionals. We're hiring lots of finance professionals and the labor market here in the Valley is really, really tight. Right. And we have almost no unemployment. So just this recently in the last couple of months, we have decided to embrace our hybrid work, our hybrid work team, which we always had because we started remotely. There was always remote team members. And now we're going to preface remote hiring as well to just hire the best talent into the company and, and embrace that. And with that, of course, come a lot of cultural changes that we're going to cross here in the next year and are excited about. And yeah, now one of the things that is, is always has been challenging with the hybrid team is how do you make the team member experience equitable for members that are in person in the headquarters, have access to the executive team through just a short walk through the hallway and somebody that's working remotely 
and gets hired and right just gets a laptop shipped to them opens it up and, and there's the employment experience right mm -hmm. so i would say that cultural onboarding is is really what we need to solve there and so for our, for xypn what we have started to do is we've created a welcome box for our remote team members so that they get a notebook and they get you know some swag to just kind of get into the mood and and the swag is directly related to our five core values as well and then we are also doing retreats and we're doing four company-wide retreats. Two will be remote and two will be in person. So we're flying all team members out for our in-person retreats. And that's really where a lot of collaboration happens, a lot of team building happens. And then we also have started now to have departmental retreats where just the department is meeting and is flying people out. Because, you know, the tax team has a really busy season and they're not really up to team building when they, in April when we have our company-wide retreat, right? When they have, you know, 100 tax returns on their table, right? So, Yeah, okay. So what I'm really hearing is huge investment in sort of embracing what well, we were remote. Now we were then, we were hybrid. Then now we want to start thinking about remote more. So how do we, like, get excited about that challenge? And then how do we choose to bring people together really intentionally at a time that works for them rather than at a just at a time that works for us and and all of you are kind of talking about and how do we connect people with who we are whether they're in person or whether they are remote okay so what i'm really hearing from all of us is we're all making commitments to provide a more flexible experience to connect people to who we are and to each other whether that's in person or in a hybrid situation or in a remote situation we're all trying to drive an equity agenda which is amazing and we're all i mean sort of learning and investment in learning. I heard that come up a couple of times. So it feels like if we're looking at this opportunity through these lenses of flexible, connected, growing and rewarding, then we have a pretty good foundation of everything that we've heard. So let's dive into that each area a little more. So if connection is about how do we build trust and connection, especially if this person is not sitting next to us and doesn't have the opportunity just to have coffee and stuff. And like you said, they're their experience of welcome to our company is here's your laptop, open it up, get working. Then, you know, obviously there's an opportunity there. How do we build trust and connection? How do we sort of start to make promises that inform, to your point, Renee, how do we be together? What is the way that we come together and feel like we belong and feel like we're connected no matter what we look like? And no matter whether we look like everyone else or whether we look different. So Bridget, let me come to you. This is just going to be a one-on-one. -on -one. So obviously you spoke about adventure hubs and you spoke about free soloists. Mm -hmm. And you, I thought you just had three main locations, but you listed off about mm -hmm. eight. Uh, and so how, talk to us more. Can you dive a little bit deeper into how you build connection between teams in hubs rather than just in the hubs and and help this whole big sort of connected network that I'm imagining feel like they belong to the same organization especially when you've got multiple different products mm -hmm. and people sort of potentially could feel like they belong to different organizations because what they're the, the work that they're delivering is different great question very hardy so I'm going to give a few like sort of two feet off the ground examples and then zoom out. We do donut coffee chats. I'm sure a lot of folks are familiar with those. It's when Slack links you up weekly with anyone in the company and then you put the meeting on your calendar. And so all across the company, 
people are meeting at all different levels, very casual. And sometimes it it will go the way of work and sometimes it's like, what's your Thanksgiving tradition? Do you actually get a donut? No, it's just <laughs> the app is called Donut. But when I do invite someone, I do just put Bridget slash Daniel donut emoji nice. and then they need mm. to figure it out. So Okay, so I think that that, that is, is really powerful. And in fact, once one week I was paired with the CEO and I said, Laura, you do donuts every week? And she said, absolutely. Like this is so valuable, getting 25 minutes with someone in the company every week. Okay, then I'm going to Zoom up into like, we have a multi-product company. So we have Onyx Hunt, Onyx Backcountry, and Onyx Offroad. And then different departments. Some team members are a shared resource. So like people success department, I'm a shared resource across three verticals. And some people are targeted for that certain vertical. So there's a vertical marketing manager for Hunt. There's a vertical marketing manager for Offroad or maybe more than one. And about a year ago, we were, I want to say we were maybe at about 250 employees. Now we're at 330. And, and the growth in the past three years has been very fast and very acute with those additional verticals. And so it was like, add another vertical, add another vertical marketing manager. And these, and kind of these positions just start getting added really quickly. We had an offsite last December where a, an outside speaker came and chatted with us all about the nature of working in a matrix organization. And all of her visuals were a garden trellis of you have the structure and then you have your vines and this is truly what you have at Onyx. And then she had everyone in the, it was a manager retreat, so it was about, I don't know, 60-ish people. She had us all stand up and then go to where we are a resource. And if we were in multiple verticals, like you leave a shoe. Anyways, it was just a very physical representation of like, whoa, there's a lot of complexity here. And this is a great physical representation of why communication is really hard. Like I've got deliverables to the hunt general managers and I've got deliverables to the marketing manager and they both want them tomorrow. And I don't know, I don't want to disappoint someone. So like it really gave us some good, hearty ground to start to dive into those conversations. Great. Yeah, so I think, I think my big picture answer is like naming it and describing why it's tricky. And we have this word matrix and garden trellis. And like people have an image when they, they are faced with those tricky situations. Okay, great. So we're building the shared understanding yeah. of what we're doing. Hayden, yeah. it reminds me of that time when we had all the group together and we, were, we, were, we built this massive big spider web that represented who people should be connected to and why and all of a sudden everybody was connected to everyone and we were not surprised that we were having a lot of trouble communicating instead of just feeling frustrated initially okay thank you great so shared language shared experience shared understanding of what the rub is that we're trying to solve for so it doesn't feel so overwhelming isolating yeah okay great let's go to flexibility Hayden I want to come to you so flexibility is all about workplaces that promise a, promise that everyone's needs can be met no matter who you are, that we're going to hear them, we're going to honour them, we're going to find a way to honour them and we're going to find approach that opportunity with a lot of flexibility and have the people who are impacted by the decision part of the decision-making process. So, Hayden, you know, let's hear a little bit more about Bridger. Like you can't offer the same level of flexibility to your employees that some 
of the rest of us have the privilege of doing. So what do you see some of the challenges in the context of shift work and flexibility? All your people still want the flexibility and yet you're open like often more than everybody else and you have to be at work to do the job. So how, do you, how are you approaching and how do you see the hospitality sector approaching that challenge slash opportunity? flexibility is the name of the game. We obviously can't do remote work because we have to serve tables and bring them beers and bring them pizzas and salads. So we have managers that diligently give people exactly what they want. I'd say 90% of the time, 95% of the time, if they need a shift that's covered, they have the flexibility to call on 60 other employees at the brewery. So we make sure that everybody has the choice. I think Bridget said it. It's like, you know, you give people the choice and they feel taken care of. And we have managers that sit at the bar and will sit there and do the flexibility of the scheduling and making sure that everybody can go to class. Everybody has their ski weekend off. They, they can go home for a week for Christmas. So I think we spend so much time making sure that everybody has a flexible schedule because if you don't give them the choice, then how are they going to be happy at work? And nobody likes an unhappy server. Mm -hmm. So we want to make sure that everybody has that choice to, you know, there's obviously times that you have to sacrifice a shift or two every once in a while, but I can't tell you how on point our manager is in the kitchen in the front of house that give every single shift that everybody wants or not want in the time off because it's it's really impressive because yeah you can just go to the app but we don't do that we we sit down and make sure that we know everybody's availability make sure that they have certain days off that you know I know a few of people it's like I need Sundays off for football and it's just like yeah you got it not a problem but you have to be able to pick up other shifts that people might not want and they game days bobcat football a lot of people don't like them but we will make sure that everything is covered and we are fully staffed and to make sure that people have that choice to take it off or work it because it's really busy so yeah flexibility is the name of the game and i think we hit a home run with it especially our scheduling managers so you know props to those guys and the recruitment team who recruited them absolutely <laughs> yeah so what i'm really hearing is like sure we can't work from home but what we're really promising is that we will find ways for you to experience flexibility in your work and you will be a key partner in getting your needs met because we all pitch in and we want to make sure that everybody is not just getting stuck with hosting and we share that responsibility very well like you know we have a few people that have been working there for eight years and they have a host shift once a week and that's not normal at a, other restaurants. It's like, I will never host because I've been here for so long and there's no way that I'm gonna you know, take that step down. But taking care of each other, that the flexibility that, yeah, you can go behind the bar because you haven't been back there and I will host tonight to, just to give you the opportunity to make sure that people have that flexibility and some people might not like bartending and they like to sit with tables and we give them that choice, that flexibility to make sure that they get that choice and it's it's honestly amazing that we can deliver that weekend and week out so so there's another promise there around like hey we're all gonna pitch in to make this work and you will have agency and you will have choice yeah big family yeah big family can i just add on yeah. just something that jumped out at me about what you're saying hayden is that you're really creating an environment where your scheduling managers know how to hit a home run that is crystal crystal clear 
So through that North Star, you know how you now have designed an experience for everyone to reap those benefits. Yeah, we know what paint does. So great so. job, nice Hayden. Job, <laughs> okay, Steffi, another question for you also around flexibility. So, you know, the the challenge that sort of being remote and being hybrid and sometimes being in person and being back and remote, obviously all the data through COVID showed us productivity continues to rise when we let our people work from home in spite of us believing we couldn't trust them to do anything worthwhile when we weren't looking over their shoulder. But creativity drops off. So how, what are you doing at XY to continue to cultivate a culture of creativity where you really can leverage the opportunity that collaboration creates to solve problems in in new and innovative ways when you're hybrid or when you're fully remote? Yeah, so I think that at XY, what what we're really trying to do is is being intentional about what we accomplish in what workspace, right? So you have a lot of people working across time zones, and I'm, I think it's really important to hone in on, okay, you know, sometimes I'm going to be asynchronous on when my team is not on because I'm in the Eastern time zone and I'm, I'm like to start working early. And so that is really my calm time where I can can get a lot of detailed work done. And then having these meetings with people where you're apart from each other, where you can collaborate as well. But then I would say that the, the most of creativity really happens when you come together during the retreats and during the, during the departmental retreats. And so I think it's really important to plan the retreats in a way where we're not trying to accomplish work that we could otherwise accomplish away from each other and really make this time work for the collaboration and for the creativity. Okay, so the promise is you sort of will build containers that you can really do the work that you need to do, even though that looks like lots of different things and there will always be an opportunity. You just need to step into the right one. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Great. Okay, let's move on to reward. So reward is about recognizing people for the impact that they're adding to your organization. Obviously the culture ad as well as the sort of more tactical opportunities that they're providing and really unlocking their ability to do work that is rewarding for them and meaningful for them. So perks and benefits have been the lure, especially for those of us who work in tech, come and work for us. We will provide a pool table and a free lunch and a sleeping pod, maybe lots of money, obviously, and pay out like equity in the company, etc. Obviously, tech is going through its own reckoning right now with a recession that we're not calling a recession looming. And inflation obviously is hitting everyone's pocket where it really where they're feeling it. So the whole panel who want who wants to speak to like, how important do you see pay as being in your organization in at the moment in the context of all of the things that is in the reward bucket. All right. So I said earlier, we survey our stuff a lot and we use that information to inform decisions. So recently we did a survey and we asked them, what benefits are most important to you? What would you trade for something else? And across the board, wages are top of mind. Just some backstory. 98% of our employees are here in Bozeman. And we know that inflation is high. We know that the cost of living is high. So we didn't get rid of any benefits, but we took that information. And so we budgeted for higher than normal raises because 
our administrative staff, our, our you know, entry-level folks, they still need to be able to live full lives, to take that time and go do adventures. And you gotta have a little coin in your pocket to do so. So we have robust benefits. I feel really strongly and really proud of how <clears throat> well Pi takes care of its employees across the board, tangible and intrinsic benefits. We talk about flexibility. We've had sort of that flexible around life events always. That's always been a part of the core. You need to go pick up your children. So there's lots of that. But our employees said to us, we need to make enough money to live here in the Valley. Okay, so the promise is we will ask what exactly you're looking for in terms of reward and we will then deliver that need. Yeah. So, Neil, I know not all of us work in the for-profit sector and some of us are also involved in not-for-profits. So <laughs> either at Foundant, because I know Foundant does a lot of work with not-for-profits, or in the myriad of 25 years of worth of experience you're also bringing to this conversation, I would love to hear what you can offer in terms of what are you seeing that's innovative in the not-for-profit world where the narrative around what we can spend on salaries and stuff is, is very different to, the, to what it is in the for-profit world and what might we take away in terms of how we can think about salary and reward differently in the, in the non-for-profit sector. Yeah, I know that one's a, that's a really toughie. And I say that because what we've seen over the last couple of years, even in nonprofits, I mean, they're small companies. They're very small companies, right? And they have very, very, very limited budgets. A lot of us have very limited budgets as well. And so before we get into a base bonus equity, as you were just alluding to, those don't exist in non-for-profit. And they don't exist in a lot of small companies either. Where I just left, yeah, we had that here, not so much. And so how do we instill that? You talked about the engagement survey. That was number four on our list was pay. Not number one, two, three. It was number four. I know. I said the same thing. I thought, okay, smaller company, number one for sure is going to be no. And I was like, wow. That being said, what we're seeing in not-for-profits is, is around that flexibility. How do you become more flexible? How do you give them certain benefits? Benefits, what you were talking about around the time off, right? And saying, I'm going to go do this. I know I have my job to do, but I'm, I'm taking the day to get to the hill. Ski season or it's hunting season. <laughs> we're going to go hunt. But I know my job has to get has to get done at the end of the day. For non for profits, the same thing goes along with that that reward type of thing. So intrinsic rewards we we're just alluding to, right? Those types of things. We have something lifestyle wellness award LWSA is what we call it, and it's it's tiered a certain amount of dollars up to five about another twenty percent on top of that after five years. And so and we let people know they can spend it in any how any way shape or form they want to spend it on right? Just as a benefit. We also offer unlimited PTO. Non-for-profits are starting to look at that as well because they're saying we can't compete against these bigger corporations for talent because of what we've seen in the last couple of years. The great resignation. Now it's going to be a different title here coming up next year. That being said, how do we continue and how do they continue because they have to keep that recruiting funnel coming in, yeah. right? And especially on a diversity, you know, that's, that's a big initiative for us. How do we get diversity in our pipeline, as we call it? But those are the two biggest things that I've seen that I've heard uh, in my limited time there. But that's also what I've seen in the market as well. 
So I love what you're kind of saying, like, let's stop trying to compare an apple with an apple and let's reimagine us as an orange so yeah. that people are not, which one do I feel like, as opposed to which one's going to be tastier and fresher and crisper. Absolutely. And the non-for-profit, I mean, it's, it's around passion as well, right? They're passion projects. You know, is it my cause? Do I have, do I, do I feel that? Is that something that's important to me, whether it's personal, something, experience that happened in our life? or whatnot, right? How they were raised, whatever. That's something that's that's really big with them. And and, and I'd, I'd go as far as to say that's with us at Foundant too. It's a cause, mm-hmm. right? And yeah, we are for-profit. We are a technology company for nonprofits. Yeah. And so it's, it's a little tricky there. Yeah, such an interesting dynamic though to navigate. And what a juicy problem to oh. be in the middle of. <laughs> okay, great. Let's move on to growth. So growth is really this commitment that, hey, we'll invest in you as a person and understand that your growth is also our growth as a company. So we really want, and that maybe growth can be that career ladder that we spoke about. Like, is it really clear how I move from A to B to C and what's my like what do I need to do to step into that and what are you going to uh, offer me? But also like what what if I don't want to climb that career ladder? Is it okay for me to invest in other types of growth? And how do I get to a place where work-life balance is a thing if that's, again, what I want and really work can be somewhere that offers me sort of well-being as well as the next, the next, the next, the next, if that's what I want. So I guess what, what I would love to hear is how is growth and learning part of the conversation when we're talking about new employees to our company and because often we see the red carpet rolled out for these people who don't yet belong to our organization and the rest of us are standing around going like but what about me I've lived here for a while and there's no red carpet so how are we making sure that that conversation and those opportunities are also being unlocked for our longer term or not new employees anyone I'll jump in So I'm going to actually bring a thread from the last conversation on total compensation into the answer here. So we had an experiment this past June, which was really fun to get behind. It was myself and our compensation specialist where we did a total rewards compensation learning cycle. And they were identical sessions for our employees. And we talked, it was an education, the goal was to educate on what is the Radford like data set? Where is Onyx getting ideas on my pay? What is the Equal Pay Montana Act? Who's reviewing all the different pay levels in the company? So along with that, Radford is a nationwide data set that informs our pay, our pay bans, and we have let our, our community know that your pay is not, you know, Bridget and my manager, Jan, sitting in a room and being like, ah, it feels like this person might be this. We are informed through data that's nationwide and we don't have a Montana first strategy. We have a nationwide strategy. That's news to a lot of people. So it's good to like, just get that out there and be talking about sort of what are some of these design principles. And then this relates to career growth and learning because Radford also informs what we call the career GPS. And that is very similar. It feels like we're in the middle of the exact same work, so we should circle later. But it's, it is big, messy, ambitious work getting just the right amount of sentences, just the right word choice 
where you are encompassing what the work looks like for each of the levels in each of the work families. So engineering, marketing, people, success, all that stuff. We are investing in it. It is a partnership between myself and a new part-time hire. She will stay squarely focused on the writing of these descriptors and she will work with executive team members and then get in have input from individuals in those work families as well. So I guess my big picture answer is the education to the community is so, so, so valuable. I was blown away with the individual Slack messages I received from so many Gen Zers on compensation and total rewards package. It was awesome. And so, and I mean, interns from MSU asking really sophisticated questions. And it's cool to be in the position of delivering that learning. And this is, this is learning for their entire career, right? This is like kind of big picture philosophy stuff on compensation. And then that being tied so tightly to whatever you want to call your career ladder. And my advice would be start somewhere because as you pull back the layers of the onion, it's just, it's going to get more and more complex and messy. And that's the good news, right? Is that you're, we're paying attention and we're really trying to describe what a home run looks like in Karen Lum's words. <laughs> yeah. And there's also a, like, we haven't sorted this out yet, but we're committed mm -hmm. to trying and this is where we are, mess and all, at the moment. And our commitment to you is that we're going to keep going down the journey to make it more clear and mm -hmm. to make it more accessible yeah. for you. Yeah, precisely. Yeah. Great. Any other thoughts? One thing I see Bridger do amazingly well is help people unlock vertical or sorry, horizontal growth opportunities. Like I'm in the brewery, now I want to be in the kitchen, now I want to be in the server. And I guess this, you know, we've got people who are solopreneurs or small business owners. We've got people who work for big companies who can invest in Radford and have these sophisticated career ladders and, and invest in the consultant to help make sure that the salary is equitable, not only in the context of Montana, but also the US and then globally, if you have the privilege, like Emily and I, of trying to solve this problem across the world, which is a juicy challenge too. But I think that the great, what, what we're really hearing is there's an opportunity like there's new different challenges but great opportunities where however you are big but the key takeaway is what is the promise you're making that that reflects how you're going to commit to somebody's growth in the context of how big your organization is are you clear on that and are you doing the things that it takes to actually deliver on that promise the thing what's the big key with that follow-up so as we see when we do the employee engagement surveys when we say, here are the things we're going to do, if we're not showing the employees that we're doing this, what do you think is going to happen? Yeah, of course, the score is going to tank next year as well, but they're going to leave. Yeah, so They'll find a, somebody. There's a beautiful feedback there. What is the promise we're making? How would we measure that we're actually doing it? And what's the cycle that shows that we're delivering on it? Because if we think that that promise will keep people, we then have to deliver on it. Yeah. Okay, so what do we think people are looking for more right now, rewarding work or the chance to grow since these are two very hot buttons for people? If we could only invest in one, what would we choose? I mean, I know I'm biased because I'm learning and development, so <laughs> learning. <laughs> okay. That I... My understanding of a lot of research is learning curve is the new earning curve. 
And if you make that clear to all the folks, multi-generational, multiple entrance points, not just, like you say, red carpet for new folks, I feel like that's a huge differentiator. Don't you just love all these little sayings that Bridget has? <laughs> <laughs> Learning is the new earning. I just love all the outdoor I'll metaphors. I'll be selling flashcards after the panel. <laughs> Okay, so we've got the learning development person saying learning. Any other takers? Renee? I, I think I agree with you. I think <laughs> that folks want to know where they can be in a year, in two years. They want to see compensation adjusted accordingly, of course, but I, I think they want to know where they're going. Mm -hmm. Titles seem very important right now. So I think that outward exhibit of where they are, where they've been, and where they can be is very important. I mean, I think someone said it earlier, we have six generations, though, in our workplace these days. And so that could look different. And we definitely have those folks who are very happy doing what they're doing. And I think as a leader in the organization, you've got to be okay with that, too. I think sometimes we trend towards, we want everyone to grow and develop. And you have to be okay with, like, this person is doing an excellent job. Mm -hmm. And they're okay with that. And so, yeah, I think I agree with you that learning and development. That's a great point, Renee. Radical Candor has a great podcast called Rock Stars and Superstars. I forget how they, how they name the two. But it's exactly what Renee just said. Like, how do you deliver for the people who are in rock star mode? And that is, I want growth. Kind of, that is my North Star no matter what. I'm heading and, to be the CEO. Yes. And how do you still deliver, I mean, growth in a way for people who I think it's, I think they name it superstar or like who really want the same and really want to keep nailing those targets. And the sooner we are clear about that, that like sort of decouple those two personas and then how we meet that better results for sure. So thanks for bringing that up. Any takers for rewarding work? I mean, who doesn't <laughs> love rewarding work? <laughs> I think that that is at the, more at the front end, like that is finding a company that is in line with your values. So I, I feel like they're hand in hand. My brain is just very much focused on learning in, uh, in the day-to-day -day once you're in the door. Okay, so that's interesting. Maybe one gets people in the door so it's a better attractor and one's a better retainer. Okay, interesting nuance. Okay, I'm conscious of our time. I want to hear from everyone. Okay, great. Amazing, amazing things that you're doing, amazing perspective that you've provided everyone and really sort of bringing to life, well, what, what are we doing when we say how can we create more flexible environments, more workplaces that where people feel more connected even when they're hybrid or fully remote how can we really reimagine what reward looks like and how do we keep learning at the forefront of our earning so so thank you for painting the picture I guess with with all of that work that you've done you're not done right this is an <laughs> ongoing new new world that we're building together so I'd love for, e for each of you to share okay great what, what are you now thinking about 2023 being about? What do you see as the opportunity to be investing in in the context of your organization so that you can keep finding that amazing new talent and keeping the amazing new talent, the amazing talent that you already have in your business? What's 2023 got for you? 
you could start. All right. So for me specifically, I think what 2023 will will bring or will look like is that we really want to redefine our learning and development sector at XYPN because with the hybrid workforce, we did do a feedback survey or we surveyed our team members and we really found that there is not really an equitable experience when it comes to learning and development because a lot of our learning and development right now is presentations that are done in the office and are recorded over Zoom. But as everybody can imagine, when you sit on Zoom, it's a very different experience Mm -hmm. than it is when you sit in the room, especially when the facilitator is in person as well. And so we are looking into ways to make that a more equitable experience. Great. So really bringing equity into the learning development agenda. Great. Thank you. So we have four strategic pillars and and I think what we're committing to in the future is making sure that individual goals support one or many of those sort of strategic pillars. The one where I think employees' hearts land and what's going to potentially create some additional retention is this lever for good. So we've committed to being a lever for good in the lives of our employees, in the lives of the community and beyond. So simple things like doing some more pro bono work. We've dabbled in it. We've created some process around it, structure around it. And and so letting some of our employees dabble a little bit further out. Because we work for large professional services firms of the world. There's not a lot of feel good. There can be, but let's be real. I think so that's a big push for us is giving our employees that experience. Additional volunteer opportunities. We've created a new benefit where we're offering paid volunteer hours. We've always had volunteer opportunities, but mostly it was on your own regard, on your own time. So we have some coordinated, high-sponsored volunteer opportunities, and we're offering hours for folks to do that. We're also saying you can use these hours to give your time to a passion project. And I think that's going to help in that sense. So connecting that value piece, I think that was one of the big pushes for for next year for us. Really dialing up the meaning. Yeah, I love it. Thank you. Bridget. So a big experiment on the table for 2023 is we are turning our talent review process upside down. It has turned into this big hairball that people dread twice a year, quarter two and quarter Four, I think. Yeah. So we are reimagining it. And I hope I'm sitting here one year from today and can reflect back on a continuous feedback culture. We're putting mechanisms in place where that is happening weekly, where there are question banks to drive powerful one-on-ones. We have like a whole strategy around this. But the idea is like, why do we want talent review? Well, we want it to drive excellent behavior for ambitious goals. If it's taking one manager like two hours to clear their plate and really focus on like, ah, let me figure out how this person's doing. Once every six months. Yeah, exactly. It's not, it's not creating that result. So we are scratching the whole design and going with a fresh approach that I'm very excited about. Which is kind of cool because it's a, a different spin to what we've already talked about in terms of growing, right? Mm-hmm. How do we mm-hmm. put that continuous feedback loop into mm-hmm. someone's world so they can keep growing and delivering the excellent behavior that delivers the goals? Yeah. 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 So stay tuned. Stay we'll tuned. see you where, right. <laughs> how it goes. Hayden. Along the lines of culture, I think in the next year, we just, I'm not sure if you all know, but we just opened a new facility in Three Forks and we, you know, we're 
we just increased by two thirds. Like we went from 60, maybe 80 employees to 140. So to make sure that all these different departments are financially viable, because obviously to retain these workers, we, the main one was to increase wages, which just got us uh, plenty of people through the door and we could actually start picking and choosing who starts working for us. But with that growth, we want to make sure that the culture sticks with Bridger Brewing because that's what's made Bridger Brewing such a desirable place to work, brings in a lot of people. And we want to make sure that that culture doesn't lose with any type of expansion. If that's becoming the biggest brewery in Montana, we want to make sure that our culture stands alone and making sure that people understand that we're here not just to make money, but to create wonderful people that can go out into the world and have adventures and share those adventures with the the community around them and and to know that we're a brewery not just to serve beer and pizza but we want to provide a little bit more beyond that and making sure that the culture is known for Berger Brewing, which I think is probably, yeah, our biggest goal in the next year, especially with the expansion. Yeah, so huge investment in how do we connect people to who we are so that we can keep feeling like a family, even though we're fairly removed from who are now our third cousins. Yeah, awesome, thanks. This is the thing about being last. You have everything here, that's exactly the things, but no, like yours, exactly. I mean, I used the phrase culture of talent a long time ago, and I've and I've said that that's one of the things that, and we'll see from a year from now, the same thing, the measurement from it, listening to our employees, looking at the development, looking at their needs, their wants, where they want to grow their career. It's, it's a, it's a Herculean effort. I mean, it's not just one little piece we have to put in place, but the learning development side of just alone is incredible. Not to mention the career paths. Where, how do we give them opportunities, right? Yeah, we're doing goal setting. Some people they may not perform. So how do we get them to perform better? Right? This, these are concepts they haven't, they haven't practiced consistently as they've grown and, and the company. And I say we now, because I'm part of it going from 50, 80 to now over 250 or almost 250. It's in a very relatively short amount of time. Now it's okay. What are the things we have to do to make sure the, the business is running? Right. But we can't forget, of course, the culture and what made Foundant special, what makes it special that can't, that can't lose sight. And so it's, it's a question that I've been asked is a question that I've asked on interview interviews of saying, you know, how do you retain that? How did Google retain it as they kept growing? Right. I mean, Laszlo, who was the head, when he put it there, he came from GE. GE was your grandfather's Oldsmobile was a phrase I used to hear all the time. And he went to Google and everybody was like, no way this is going to work. And he made it work. And how he made it work was constant listening, that constant feedback. And that's what made them really successful to keep in and retain in that culture. So that constant feedback loop is, is critical. Okay, so in summary, what I've heard is that we are doing a lot of listening. We're collecting the data. We're not just shooting from the hip, doing things that we think need to be done. We're really asking our people what, what they see as the opportunity, what they need from us. And then we're shaping where we're choosing to invest our efforts, both from a process, a structure perspective, and a culture perspective. And there's a lot of learning and development, but really like how do we create the culture that's going to keep people engaged in delivering on our goals? Okay, great. Enough questions from me. Some really valuable insight. Thank you. Over to you. Maybe I haven't covered every single burning question that you've got, but Hannah. 
At this point in the conversation, we opened up questions to the attendees who were sharing the evening with us, but they weren't mic'd up. So their questions were quite hard to hear. So let's unpack each of the questions individually, and then you can hear how our panel responded to them. Okay, our first question was from Hannah, an attendee working in the world of leadership. And she was asking how much responsibility for creating communities organizations should shoulder. The general consensus was that we all win when we choose to build community, even if it's not specifically within our remit. Midway through the exploration of that question, the conversation moved to exploring the role businesses have in driving community within their local communities, and a rich discussion followed. Definitely. There's not a lot of nonprofits that we donate to. You know, every Monday we have a pint night to make sure that we have and in the marketing sector to bring in new customers, but to create that bigger community that we can get involved with. It's very easy on our side. We just give beer and that's, that's your solution. every, yeah. everybody loves it. Totally. It's, it's amazing yeah. the, what it and facilitates, for those of us who don't have beer. Yeah. but yeah, we, there's, there's nothing better than, you know, being part of that greater community. But what have we done? I think just, providing that beer to these nonprofits and, you know, facilitating that realm of things. It's, you build that community, making sure that you send out your, your coworkers and your employers to go support these causes, to make sure that they are involved in it. Um, not necessarily to go get paid, but to make sure that if they are interested or have a passion about it, you send those people. And then all of a sudden you've created just a larger community that, People want to come into your place of establishment and it's more desirable to be there. Another really cool thing I see you guys doing is this philosophy of default to yes. Like if someone walks in the door at Bridger and says, can I have this? The answer will always be yes. It won't necessarily be like, oh, yes, you can have 20 free kegs because that's what you're asking. But it, let's find a way to make it a yes is kind of the philosophy that you embody and is the culture. Like you, 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 you make an ask, we'll deliver something. Yeah, it's anybody that walks in the door and it's if they're if they even if they're helped, you just keep on asking them. Have, have you been helped? That it goes so far because they feel like they're taken care of immediately and maybe bombarded with the same question over and over. But it makes them feel home and at at a pla a safe place that they would love to come back to. I'm I'm thinking of just an extension of that a little bit is absolutely I think the workplace is in the role of creating community. And we have to realize that the folks that we, you know, are interacting with, our employees, are at a connection deficit due to the pandemic and then a, a very high hunger due to the pandemic. So like skills and development, I mean, the amount of weddings that I went to in the past two years is low. So I haven't worked on those connections but yet I'm really tired of seeing my partner and my dog, right? <laughs> so you really want the connection. So I, I think it's a little bit of an odd situation because we have people's appetite so high, skill development a little low. Something Onyx did is Camp Onyx this August. It was an experiment. We tried it and we gathered in Big Sky and it was an open day of no work. And it actually said in the agenda, you are not allowed to make any meetings. Because like, people were like, well, can I please make a meeting since I'm here in person? 
So I went, I went to breakfast. We had a, a chat by the CEO. And then we had a round table round that was 45 minutes. And then I went on a trail run with someone from product, hunt, and an engineer. And I got to know them for three hours. And like, that's where we want to lean into is the, if you want to go skiing together, we can pay for that. And I understand like not every company can do a night in big sky for everybody and open that up, but just something that gives some white space that's not over-engineered, but leads to connection is such a high return on your investment. And I've seen XY do some really cool things from an equity perspective because not everyone wants to go skiing. Not everyone's outdoorsy, right? So how can we make sure that if we're offering skiing, we're also offering things, a trip to the library or a trip to the coffee shop, like whatever it is, we can find something that you will enjoy, even if you don't, even if we work for an outdoor company, both of you, and you don't like the outdoors, because there are some of those people. So yeah, I mean, I think it was before your time, but really driving equity as a priority in terms of how we create opportunities for connection. I think you were going to say something too. I was just going to add on that I don't know that it's our responsibility as an employer to create community, but maybe to create opportunity for community. And I think similar to others, we do lots of different things. One of the things we've seen as we've grown is that that community is taking shape in smaller cohorts. And it's actually really interesting. And it's created some really high engagement. We also try to plant seeds for cross-pollination, of course, and, and mix it up. But when those folks come into the office and they're they're talking about what they did on the weekend and whose house they watched the football game. They're much happier to be at work instead of in their office with the door closed. So I don't know if it's our responsibility to create community, but to provide opportunity for community. And it sounds like even if it's not our responsibility, we certainly benefit from the investment we make. Yeah. Great question. Our next question was from Brooke who was asking how we go about creating the spaces that are needed to solicit genuine, honest, and human-centric feedback that's critical in moving an organization forward. I'll, I'll give you years of what we've done in practices, best practices amongst many companies. When we do the employee engagement survey, we always say how it, it is completely anonymous. I say completely with an asterisk because if you're one of the types that give tons of feedback. It's the same feedback over and over. You, oh yeah, that was from Neil. Okay, got that, right? But as we get into this, we try to build a trust and Angela just saw this. The company has never done a, never done a focus group like what we just did when we did our engagement survey. So, and I've always participated in them and I've I try to ask a few questions just to kind of get the spark going so people will give honest feedback. This particularly was around, you know, managers. And if their manager's not in the room, what are they going to say? But also, it can only have like eight people. It can't be like 28 people. That thing will get disruptive. So keep the, we do keep the focus groups very small. Keep it quaint. Keep it short as much as you can. But I try to get it to facilitate. And I, I, I'm... Now I have ulterior motives because I'm the head of HR and I'm trying to see how people are doing this stuff. And I want to see, oh, are they very inquisitive? Are they very quiet? You know, are, what type are they, right? So I can better learn how to communicate with them. That being said, from a, from a anonymity standpoint, 
anonymity goes out the window when you have these focus groups. But if you, when we say do that feedback loop, when we, when we take all that data in, our next piece of it is with their managers to talk through the things that we're doing to improve. And so we don't want them to be 100% confidential. We want the trust. That's the biggest piece because I want them to feel like this is, this is our community. We can say anything we want without repercussions, as we always say in HR, right? But that's what I want. I want to hear from them, not just every now and then. I want them to be where they can call me, Angela, anybody in our team at any point in given time. That's the biggest thing that I want to try to help create. Yeah, I think there's a real, what I would add to what Neil said is like, if I need to know that whatever I say will be held, right? However scary or outrageous it's going to be. So what are we doing to equip, to Renee's point, our people with the tools to hear things that can sometimes be quite confronting and be like, you know what? I'm so glad I know this. Thank you so much for like taking the time to be honest with me and trusting me with this level of like vulnerability and, and honesty, right? I think there's a piece there. And it's like, if I say, hey, to your point, data, give me data, give me data, like survey, 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 but then I just do nothing. Why would I ever invest in giving you the truth in the survey? There has to be a like, hey, this is what we heard and it's so great that we know this now. These are the things that we're going to take from this and commit to bringing to life, whether that's tomorrow, whether that's next month or whether that's going to take us three years to deliver on. But I bet what you do really well at Pi that you haven't really spoken to is like, hey, thanks for giving us the data. Here's what we're doing with it. Otherwise, people would stop doing it. And given that you're always collecting it, that's probably not they, – they see the, the opportunity that you're creating for them. Okay. It is true. We – I mean, in your first orientation session, we talk about our robust feedback loop and how we will give you a lot of feedback and we expect you to give us feedback. And I always say – if you walk out of here today and say, Renee, you could improve upon this orientation meeting by doing X, I want to hear that. And so from day one, we're articulating to all of our employees that we want your feedback. And feedback is given as a gift, a gift towards improvement. We have a, literally a training session where we give people tools to give us feedback. Here are three methods that we have used across the board I can tell you what they are now. Easy to remember, you know, use these methods, give feedback in a kind and clear manner because we want to know what your experience are. And so I don't know. I'm hoping that it, it helps create that trust, that psychological safety where people can then come. And you definitely have the folks who feel really good about giving you lots of feedback. <laughs> and you're like, I'm going to take it all and I'm going to I'm going to do something with this. And then, yes, of course, you have to have to communicate back what you're doing or sometimes in my mind I think why you're choosing to do what you're doing is even more important mm -hmm. so yes we heard you we're going to implement this and this is why we've chosen to implement it I think that's almost the harder piece because often it washes over people and they don't hear that part so it's the transparency that you were talking about mm -hmm. too and then we heard from Francine a local recruiter who shared that she hears about the desire for stability in lots of the conversation that she's having with potential recruits. She was asking how we can use employee experience and the lenses of an employee experience to really offer individuals the stability that they might be looking for. 
I think it's a one of those really big he, bucket words yeah. like integrity. Yeah. So, because yeah. I see it living potentially ha- or having the potential to live in one of the lenses. Like it could mean compensation, which is reward. It could mean I get to choose who I want to bring into my business. That is my like I get have autonomy over that. So I would actually turn turn it back. Like let's unpack what stability looks like or, yeah. or you want it to look like and then you can find it at home. I think that's really the the thing that we're all hopefully taking away from. If we understand what we can promise people in each of these four lenses, then we can put that clearly on the table. And if we can actually build the structures that allow us to deliver on that promise and measure it and make sure that we can continue to do it even better, then exactly what you're talking about is not going to go away, but it's going to be reduced because what like, is this a good fit for me? And is the expectations of what I have of the company aligned with the expectations the company has of me? So I think that was a beautiful end to a very productive conversation. So I can't express my thanks enough for you five being willing to sit up here and have questions thrown at you and sort of pull back the curtain a little bit about what's going on. I think it's really, really valuable to hear how each of you are approaching the very same challenges with your own spin on them. And I hope that all of you feel like you've taken something, one small little nugget from the conversation that you can either use in your work or take and have more conversations in your organization. So again, very much appreciate your willingness to be here on this cold snowy night. Please have some more drinks and food if you'd like. Otherwise, yeah. Enjoy the rest of your week and the lead up to the holidays. Thank you, Kendall. Okay, well, thanks for listening, everyone. We really hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as we did having it. If you're interested in learning more about the work we're doing, you can reach us at hello at withinpeople.com. And in the meantime, tune into our podcast every other week for more episodes on what's happening in the culture and leadership space what's on the minds of leaders committed to change in our community and other future of work content that you're looking for. Reimagining Work From Within is available wherever you listen to great podcasts. Mm-hmm.